0: Blog Talk Radio. Down one of these times, but it actually cuts off right then, so I can come in uh, at the close of action. Hello, everyone, and this is the Radilich and Broadcasting Network Movie Review Club Group Loose Association. Guys who bump into each other every now and then. Uh, I don't know. I want to. I'll flush that joke out later. I'm Robert Winfrey, and thanks everybody for tuning in tonight. Mark Radilich and I are back. A couple of weeks off because nothing came out that either of us really wanted to talk about. I mean, I saw the Revenant, but Mark didn't, and I didn't care enough to find someone else who did to review it with. So we just enjoyed the time off. And uh, tonight we are back in the saddle, and we are reviewing Kung Fu Panda Three. Yay! Sorry, <laughs> I'm uh, I'm having a, I'm definitely having a bit of a unenthused. Weeks so far, so my apologies. Uh, That's uh, a few notes about the format of the show that have changed starting today. Uh, That bit of music you heard that is the intro for Hooray for Hollywood is now going to be our standard intro. We're not going to be utilizing movie uh, music from the film we're reviewing because Mark likes to put these things on YouTube, and YouTube hates its users and is more than happy to infringe on all kinds of potential fair use agreements in favor of you know, the people who created it. Uh, plus, since theoretically we could get paid for this, we're not, but we could. It is used in something that could be commercially viable. They would be entitled to a portion of the proceeds. And that just creates a whole complicating issue that we don't want to get into. So for the sake of simplicity, that's the direction we're going in. And we're going to close with, instead of necessarily the same segment, where Mark reads reviews and I bang my head against the wall, weeping about the fate of humanity. uh, We decided to add a bit of a new little wrinkle. We're going to talk about the box office weekend. Because now it's Wednesday. We have hard numbers from, you know, whatever came out last week. Talk about who won, who overperformed, who underperformed. Just real briefly kind of touch on stuff like that. We're playing with the format. We want to make this, you know, uh, more... Yeah, you know, Kind of an all inclusive thing, Just not just the two of us kind of yakking the whole time. We need format. We need, you know, a bit of a schedule, a bit of structure, and we're all going to be better off for it. All right, I've yakked long enough. Let me bring him on, the man behind all those aforementioned changes, because really, I'm just here to look pretty. Uh, Mark Ratelich.
1: <laughs> Mark, how are you doing? Oh, you're so pretty. You're so very pretty. So witty and pretty and gay. Um, it's your fault, by the way. I just did that. Now listen. Sure. <laughs> I missed you, Mr. Winfrey. I mean, I know we, we we still talk online. You still comment on things, and you you certainly uh, played the the home game. We talked about Lord of the Rings last week, two weeks ago. Um, but yeah, I you know when, whenever uh, whenever we do these, I enjoy them, and we haven't done them in a couple of weeks, and I missed it. I'm glad we're we're back in the saddle again.
0: Now, I just really wish I had that sound bite from that song, but I don't have it. So opportunity missed. Oh well.
1: Um I I can guarantee you though, we, we will still uh we will still occasionally read reviews. Um <laughs> It's reviews not going reviews. away,
0: folks. So for those of you yeah, no, I live that. for the moment when I smash my head against the wall going, Why,
1: why, 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 why god, why the the, the, only, the only thing that that has been taken away um is um, is I uh, no longer starting I, I don't want to go every week with having to change the music and yeah I upload these I upload I upload these things on YouTube so I don't want to keep messing around with the music because then then YouTube throws pies at my face um but uh no in addition to reading reviews when I think that the moment calls for it because that was that was some of the most fun times we had last year with me reading reviews and you contemplating killing yourself? Um, <laughs> that was hilarious. But no, we'll do that. You almost put me back into won. therapy. <laughs> we'll talk about that. Plus, who won the weekend? Um, we ended the year last year with a review of what studios did what, and you know, and it was a lot of homework and catch up on our part because we really hadn't paid that close attention to it all year round, except you know, to tweak Gavin and nipples every once in a while. This year, I'd actually like to pay attention to it. So uh, we'll be doing that as a weekly part of uh, part of our show. Other than that, I'm doing fine.
0: I'm glad you're doing fine. Alrighty. Uh, let's go ahead and jump into this. Kung Fu Panda 3. Man, who would have thought? I mean, I, I know DreamWorks is kind of hard up for content sometimes, and they're still desperately trying to recreate Shrek being able to make 86 films and two dozen Television spinoffs that made everyone want to find Mike Myers and throttle him, but I would not have pegged uh, Kung Fu Panda as the next, you know, kind of tentpole franchise for DreamWorks. But here we are.
1: See, uh, that's a good place as any us for for me to pick an argument with you. Why would you say that? Jack Black's a thing, and you know, it's a funny idea—a uh, fat, a fat panda performing Kung, Kung Fu. Um, and it people, was great for one movie, but it wasn't great for just one movie. The, the first, the, the second one was just was uh was plenty good as well, and the third one eh. is also good. Yeah, trying not to be overly complimentary, but I think people have really certainly people have gone out and seen them. They've made money. <clears throat> Excuse
0: me. Um, but uh, uh, again, it's just of all the things DreamWorks has done, you know. For us to get essentially the same gag running for three movies, just kind of surprised me a little bit. I but then again, really get, people like I, comfortable I, things.
1: I, I think you're being too hard on the Beaver there, uh, sir. Um, I I don't feel like it's been the same gag. I think uh, that you know they started with this, they started with your your typical story of you know the slub who wants to be greater than he really is, and then. You know, he's put into a situation that he's not ready for and he rises to the challenge and he becomes a hero. And then the continuation of that was learning more about himself. Um, put in a
0: situation but, where he's supposed to be greater than he is and he rises to the occasion again at the last possible minute. And then right. in this one where, again, he is still yet again placed in a position where he must rise to the occasion at the last possible minute.
1: Well, th- this one's a little bit different because, as my social studies teacher used to say, to in order, you know, in order to really own something, you have to be able to teach it, and you know, and he's at this point, he's just been following the lead of his teacher, um, over and over and over again, and when he's told, you know, in order for you to transition into, see, 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 here's the thing, this this really touches me because I believe in the idea of making yourself uncomfortable, and, um, and having to you know, be better, th- be better than you are. You have to, you know, you have to push yourself into these uncomfortable situations and really test yourself. You know, you'll, you'll never know how good you can be until you until you try. And I think that was one of the points of the movie, um, which I mean, you know, you're going to do your plot synopsis in just a moment. But see, th- this is why I say I I think it's easy to sort of blow these off as oh, this is stupid kids fare, but I actually think the writers on all three Kung Fu Pandas, gags included. Uh, we're not, um, you know, we're not, we're not as silly kid fair as you're making it out to be. However, if you find if you really want to complain about something, complain about this: the Three Stooges is getting a preteen reboot. Uh,
0: and now I want to kill myself again.
1: The search is on for three twelve-year-old boys to play pint-sized versions of Larry, just Moe stop. and Dolly. Just, just stop. Just stop. Here, here, you have. Do you have your messenger on? Ugh, I believe you
0: when you say that that's a thing. I really do. I, it just,
1: just why. <laughs> All right, we'll talk about that another time.
0: Why, God, and to give them child actors, and this includes ninety percent of teenage actors, suck. They just suck. That's why you find twenty-year-olds who you can make look younger. Ugh, I just. Yeah. That's a
1: that's so, a terrible idea. Terrible. So the plot, sir. Now that now now that I've yelled at you for complaining too much. <laughs> oh, I have not yet begun
0: to complain. Uh all right. This movie picks up not too long after the second one ends. Uh Master Sifu, played by Justin uh, Dustin Hoffman, excuse me. Announced that he's retiring from teaching and passing that role on to Poe so that Dustin Hoffman's character can master Chi. Because he can't do that while he's trying to teach Poe, because Poe constantly interrupts, as he's wont to do. Around that same time, in the spirit world, Master Ugwe's long-lost best friend, who has totally been a thing throughout all three movies. <laughs> God, that, honestly, that one bothered me about as much as... Uh, Christoph Waltz and uh, and freaking Spectre no yeah it was me the whole time it was me like no (laughs) god just why why anyway his long lost friend who he turned on they had a tiff over the proper use of chi and this guy's name is Kai he steals Master Uguay's chi which is his life force his energy he has captured all of the the life essence of all the Kung Fu masters that have died and passed over into the spirit world. He now has enough power to return to the mortal realm and begin wreaking terror. Uh, there's a bit of a running gag about how nobody knows who he is. For <laughs> Dickie <which 87. laughs> it's He deserves something. Better. And won an Oscar. Anyway, so he decides he wants to wipe out the memory and the work of Oogway because Oogway destroyed his memory. That is – it's a throwaway line. Look, Kai is the least developed, uh, just flat-out worst villain of all three of these movies, which is sad because he could be so cool. But no, no. No time is spent with him. He is just a mustache-twirly McBad guy, as Mark said. That's all he is. But he has tons of power with his chi, he has jade zombies that he summons, and to defeat him, Poe must learn the power of, chi, must you know, become a master of chi. Well, he also ran into his biological father, played by Brian Cranston, who also deserves better. Uh, there is a funny gag when they meet each other, though, uh, that I want to talk about in a minute. Uh, he takes Poe to the long-lost panda village where there's no, there, a yeah, bunch of pandas living in secret to ostensibly teach him the power of chi by getting him to reconnect with his nature as a panda. This includes sleeping past noon, eating with your fists, uh, eating with your hands as much as you can at a time, rolling down hills instead of walking. And nobody likes stairs, so they have giant slingshots that move them uphill. Uh, there's some funny gags in there. Uh, turns out, no, his dad doesn't know Chi. Pandas lost that ability not too long after they were massacred by Shen, I guess, from the second movie. So, he got brought there on a lie. He and his dad have a fight, like you do in these types of movies. Uh, he decides to confront Kai anyway. He winds up teaching all of the pandas how to fight, utilizing their basic... Abilities, so they develop catapults out of their slingshots that they can launch each other at. There's a guy who's obsessed with hugs who he teaches to crush spines. Uh, oh, you guys can, are great at hacky sacks, so here's these little fireworks that you can kick at people once they're lit, and they will explode in their faces, stuff like that. Which is actually rather intelligent, given that you know Poe kind of sucks as a teacher, so uh, when it comes to teaching straight kung fu, so let's modify it, let's find the bent for it. Uh, it's an extension of basically what Master Shifu did with him in the first one. I can't train you the way I trained everyone else, so I'm going to motivate you with food. Which is a great idea for a panda. He winds up having a final showdown with Kai in the spirit world, where everyone back in the real world sends him portions of their chi. He becomes super-powered, summons a giant dragon that he uses to fight Kai, then he winds up overloading Kai with chi, because Kai's whole thing is I want to steal all the chi... So he gives him more than he can handle in every one of those stories. Every single one of these, where somebody wants something like that, at the end they get overloaded with it. Every single time. (laughs) They could not have possibly telegraphed that more. Just saying. (laughs) Uh, He uh, through you know again over that five minute fight with Kai, he has now become a true master of chi. Something that took you know others decades to learn. Five minutes, he's got it. Uh, he oh, he's returns.
1: The to... <laughs> he's the Dragon Warrior. It makes sense.
0: Sure. I'm not going to complain too much about that one. He returns to the mortal world, now a master of chi with a funky cape. Uh, Shifu, because oh, his reaction to that. Hey, where'd you get that staff? Oh, Ugwe gave it to me. Oh, of course he did. I think I'm a master of chi <laughs> now too. Oh, of course you are. <laughs> 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 I know. I, I got a kick out of that one. Uh, the movie ends with him overseeing training everyone in the Jade Palace. The pandas have now reintegrated into society, and that will be the jumping-off point for the next three movies, I assume, because they're planning three more.
1: I uh, let me let me first talk about my observations, my thoughts, and um, how the experience went for my family and I. So I have to drive in. My wife and I really liked it. I liked the story that it told. I thought it brought him full circle. Uh, po, that, that is. I liked the relationship with with the dad, and I thought, you know, finding your roots as a panda. Yes, there were there were gags in it that was funny, but I mean, ultimately, the ob- the object lesson here was, you know, be yourself and you know find what's good about you and um, uh, you know, use it to your advantage, basically. Uh, so, and I liked that. You know, J.K. Simmons as Kai is fine. He's just sort of there to be a bad guy. He, you know, he's more of a video game boss than he is really a character. Yeah, um, there's
0: there's nothing to that character at all. And it's yeah, sad it,
1: because. The, the movie is pretty much on Jack Black's shoulders. And, you know, well, I'm not the huge, big, biggest Jack Black fan. I think he does a, a great job of his character. I think he really brings it to life. He plays it with enthusiasm. I think oh, yeah. all. These, Without
0: him, this whoever decided to cast Jack Black as Poe made one of the best decisions they could have possibly made. His enthusiasm and fanboyism and ability to generate the right amount of emotion when the moment calls for it has been... It's the entirety of this series. With any, I think with anyone else in that voice role, the first one
1: probably fails, and we don't even have the other two to talk about. Um, my daughter, uh, who was able to appreciate the movie more than my son did. uh, My daughter is five. My son is almost two. Uh, my daughter's reaction was she liked Tigress and the ribbon girl. Of course. Yeah. So they, so take that for what you will. Um, but my wife and I really thought the story was solid. Uh, and (laughs) we were definitely entertained by it. Um, my son liked it when there was fighting. Um, the rest of the time he spent jumping all over the car.
0: Yeah, that sounds like a two-year-old. Sorry, go ahead. No, I just said that sounds like a two-year-old, is all.
1: Um. So that being said, uh, I I enjoyed the final co- the the idea of the final conflict. Spoiler alert! You know, if you've been listening to us long enough, you know we don't hold anything back. So I like the idea of him sacrificing himself in order to take Kai Kai out of the village into the spirit world, where he had a distinct disadvantage until he figured out how to use chi. As far as the sudden ability to use chi and all that, I mean, look, for a kid's movie where you know the good guys are going to win, I thought there was a sufficient amount of tension, dramatic tension. I thought if you turned your brain off long enough and you weren't looking to piss all over the movie, you know, the the uh, villagers and everybody coming together, sort of getting over a lot of their own internal stuff, like the father, uh, the duck father, sorry, goose father, uh, kind of getting over his own um, aggravation at dealing, you know, his own fear, really, of losing Poe to his birth dad, you know, the birth dad's guilt over lying to him, the you know individual uh, issues with each character... Tigris' issue with him when they all kind of got over that and they gave them, you know, his chief. I thought it was a, a genuinely moving moment, you know. And so it was ultimately satisfying when, yes, they did the, the, you know, the old standard. You know, you want all my power to, you know, you want my power take it all, you know, in the butt. And then the guy explodes. <laughs> um, you know, you have an unhealthy fixation with that. There's <laughs> nothing unhealthy about being fixated on the butt. Um <laughs> Anywho. So yeah, I I thought it was a very satisfying I thought it was actually very cool. Um I will tell you this. The the animation and the the uh the backdrops are splendid looking. Uh they really, really are very nice. Um I would say not as good as The good dinosaur, which I think is right now the uh, the the standard bearer. But you know, it was definitely pre- it was a pretty it was a very pretty film to watch. Yeah, this isn't
0: you know hackneyed animation. The guys who you know do this for a living over at DreamWorks have a good feel for the visual aesthetic they're working in, how to do it, how to make it look good. Uh, there were some interesting shifts in uh, style. They go from traditional the you know the traditional c g i to what looks almost hand drawn kind of uh you know traditional anime style every now and then for a couple of different sequences, which is a nice visual change of pace uh they've done that before in some of the other ones, but uh, again, they did it again here, and it works very well uh man, I'm just i don't know again one of my big things uh, i've mentioned this before i think a story without a compelling villain tends to fall flat in various aspects and you've got jk simmons who is not just a great actor but has proven that he can be a good voice actor and there's a substantial difference i mean a lot of good actors struggle when they just have their voices to work with
1: and simmons proven Go ahead, finish because
0: I mean Simmons has proven that he can handle just straight voice acting. Uh, I think it was Jeff Harris who mentioned that in this case though uh, not only is the character of Kai written very flatly uh Simmons never quite finds the right voice for him. Uh he seems to fall back on his version of uh Jay Jonah Jameson a bit too often <laughs> in terms of how his in terms of his vocal in terms of you know vocal patterns and voice tenor and I, I mean, he has one of the coolest weapons. and Anyone who's played God of War knows exactly how awesome those, you know, blades on a chain can be, but he's just, he, again, he's not really a character. They don't, his whole character is an afterthought. The story they want to tell is the story. They actually do tell, which is Poe's reconciliation with his biological father, coming to grips with himself, you know, all that stuff, which is, and when they tell that story, the movie is perfectly successful.
1: Here's my defense of the Kai character. Well, I don't think the character in and of itself is fleshed out very well. I think the character is sort of one note I said, he's more of a video game boss. I think he he
0: shows up and I am going to rule the world by capturing all of your Chi. Uh, why? Because I found out Chi existed.
1: Uh, huh. Okay, but here's my here's my defense of him. I think internally, like, if you are one of those characters, he does represent a substantial amount of dread. When he, you know, he shows up and he's nigh invincible through most of the movies.
0: He's nigh invincible, <laughs> but nobody knows who he is.
1: Okay, but, I, <laughs> but still.
0: Uh, I mean, um, most,
1: they all... Pe- the you,
0: hang on. For compare and contrast purposes the very notion that Tai Lung would get out of jail in the first one panics the village. Just the mention of his name in that context causes everyone to freak out. Here's this guy who's, you know, theoretically exponentially more powerful, has bested all of these masters, and the gag is no one knows his name.
1: (laughs) once
0: Once he gets going, it's okay. There's a bit of dread But it, I don't know. It just falls so flat. Everything
1: involving him just falls flat. Watching the characters in the third act react to him attacking the Panda Village, there's a substantial amount of dread to create tension. And I think while it would have been nice of him to to give you a real character with some real motivations and not just I want Chi because, you know, I'm essentially Pac Man eating pellets. Um,. I at least like the fact that he represented a real threat to the characters in the movie, such to the point is that your main character had to sacrifice himself and risk and risk death by taking him into the spirit world. So I mean, you know, could they have done a little bit more with him? Sure, but I don't know. I think if I'm I think if I'm a kid, if I'm the you know, the audience for this movie, I'm not really interested in his story anyway.
0: Well, you don't have to get deep into it. He doesn't need an extended monologue, but it's just I, 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 the character was an afterthought. It was like they wrote the story about Poe becoming, you know, one with his panda and, you know, and reconnecting with that part of who he is. And then uh, that's a great story, but this is a kids movie uh, with about kung fu, so we need a villain, and they pulled one out of a stockpile.
1: <laughs> a villain on a stick
0: I just imagine there's this Like like a giant bookshelf Full of you know Very thinly drawn characters That they can just <laughs> reach up to blindly And pull one out And here This one goes in
1: Just pull it off the villain tree Yeah Why not <laughs> <laughs> Um Angelina Jolie's uh, performance as uh, Tigress, I barely, I barely realize she's ever in the movie. Like the Tigress uh, character is fine, but I can, I can hardly ever tell that it's Angelina Jolie.
0: I'm actually okay with that because it you know, is a hallmark of adequate voice acting that you can camouflage necessarily.
1: Yeah, but I don't th- like I said I don't think she does anything special with the character. That was more well, of why. No-
0: None of them do. Look, th- these – I wonder to the degree that these have become vanity projects for Jack Black because they're shelling out money for Angelina Jolie, Lucy Liu, Brian Cranston, Seth Rogen, who for some reason
1: commands a price tag. I don't think Jackie Chan gets any lines of this, by the way.
0: He does because he's monkey.
1: Oh, he, yeah, does, like, oh, that's
0: right.
1: he does. He does get a line or two.
0: Yeah, the point is you're paying these people probably an exorbitant amount of money for the work you're getting and you're utilizing their name value to try and draw people in rather than actually doing anything with them. There are three characters that actually get development in this movie. Poe, Lee, and the Goose.
1: Whose character name I cannot remember. That's something to talk about. I really liked uh the goose character i I love the fact that you know he that he loves Poe and that he really felt hurt by the idea of, of Poe having another father and him having to sort of reconcile his relationship with Poe and where he fits in after this discovery and sort of you know allowing it to allowing it to happen not, not interfering with Poe and knowing that he's still part of the family. I' enjoyed that part of it. You know, oh, that was,
0: I, yeah that was very well done, I mean, it makes sense for the character. it's well written uh you get you get a few good laughs out of it, like him trying to keep the horde of baby pandas out of his food
1: oh i i uh we had a good my wife and I had a good laugh and we sort of cheered at the end where they had you know double father attack <laughs> that was good <laughs> I enjoyed that uh so it's got an eighty percent on the tomato meter, and eighty nine percent of the audience liked it. That's about right. Yeah. I mean,
0: again, if we're grading this pass fail,
1: it's a pass. Um, let's see, let's see. What what are some of the? We have sixteen rotten reviews. Uh, well,
0: before we get into that, I. Uh, I wonder if you have any favorite gags from this because I have like three that I wanted to talk about that I thought were funny. Okay,
1: well, my favorite gag, unfortunately, was in the commercial, and we been and and, and, I, and I I have to talk about this. All right. My wife and I were watching the commercial for Kung Fu Panda, and she was sort of excited about seeing it. I mean, we wouldn't normally we wouldn't normally go see these kinds of movies, you know, just by ourselves, but you know, with kids and everything, blah blah, yakety smackety, ampersand, et cetera. Um, that being said, we were watching the commercial and he does the bit with the, okay, the noodle squadron right in the Ethan noodles. Okay. The, <laughs> the, uh, what, what's the next dumbling one? squad will be over the here dump, and he, he the the like a bamboo and stick
0: and the kid eats
1: the stick. Right. And my wife looks at she's like, Jesus Christ, I'm a panda. <laughs> and and, I, and ever since then, I've been calling her, I've been, I've been referring to her as part of the noodle squadron. We had a really good um, laugh
0: about that. Oh, I had one gag that I laughed at more than I should have because I have a different association with it.
1: But um, okay. I think did my. It, did it have anything to do with the Ribbon Girl? No. By the way, Kate Blanchett. Holy cow! No, not Kate Blanchett. Hudson. Um, Kate Hudson. Holy cow! With that character. I was pretty uh, impressive. I mean, like I, I think they were originally going to get the other, the fat British chick or Australian chick from pitch perfect. He in everything now. And I'm kind of glad because I don't really find her that great of an actress, but Kate Hudson really just owned that part and made it fun.
0: I'll give you that. I thought the character was kind of a waste and that you introduce her, you know, potentially being interested in Poe romantically and then after her debut ribbon dance, she kind of fades into the background with everybody else.
1: Well, Jesus Christ! This is—it's only a ninety-minute production here, an hour and forty minutes. How much? How many subplots did you want to put in this?
0: I'm just saying. You, you know, you—you always... you could have extended this thing's runtime by ten minutes. No, you could. And couldn't. fleshed out at least one character.
1: Absolutely not. <laughs> I was in the audience with the children. They were all wanting this thing to come to an end. This is not Lord of the Rings
0: why I'm only asking for 10 minutes, not another movie.
1: 10 minutes. It's a lifetime. It's not a lifetime. It's not even close. Mimi was just fine. May she did may. her thing, and then she used the ribbons to attack Kai. It was fine. Yeah, I agree it was fine. It's just odd that they
0: throw in a couple of new things that amount to nothing.
1: Well, that, here's the thing. You know, They have more to explore, and that's in the next movie. Yes, she showed some interest in him, but ultimately this was about him connecting to the entire, you know, uh, being a panda. There's no time in this for love, Doctor Jones. Uh, short round. You know, we, you know, we're already developing you know, Lee, Brian, Cant, Cranson's character. We still have to deal with, um, the, you know, the other characters in the movie who have stuff going on, and then there's our villain. So really, Mimi had to take a backseat. I was fine with it.
0: Uh, again, my whole thing at that point is just: Are you actually accomplishing anything by introducing this character?
1: I mean, they accomplish the same thing they accomplished by having the guy that you know that hugs too hard, you know, the lenny of the pandas. All right, sure. <laughs> I kept asking, I kept waiting for him to say, "Tell me about the rabbits." That would have been good. No, I
0: think probably my favorite gag from this movie was the first time Lee and Poe meet. Because nobody's going to beat my dumpling eating record and then no, this other panda did and they gasp and look at each other. No, I I lost my son. Oh, I I lost my father. Oh, well, good luck with that. (laughs) Yeah, good luck to you as well. They both turn and they like start leaving and the entire audience in the restaurant face palms. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: and then they get both get their realization and, and that no wait, really? But the delayed reaction to it I thought was hilarious. I'm not going to lie because I have I laughed at Master Chicken.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes well, as well you should have.
0: Because I can only think Clucky finally got his due.
1: Any other gags that you like to say? Like I said, I love the noodle squadron bit. I thought that was hilarious. Um, I enjoyed uh, the various, the various fight, fight back tactics that the panda's used. Um, I like the, uh, you know, like he finally becomes the dragon warrior, and that that is meaningful in some way by him actually having a dragon made of Uh So I liked all of that. Uh, <clears throat> <clears throat> excuse me. As far as other gags go. I just thought the whole thing was let's celebrate being fat. By the way, <laughs> I'm watching this. That was something I was said to my wife. I was just like, this whole thing is a commercial for love yourself if you're a big fat fatty. <laughs> I'm to not help. gonna
0: lie. I, I feel like all of the panda interactions were like co-authored by Seth MacFarlane.
1: <laughs>
0: if you've never seen the episode of uh, Family Guy where Peter realizes he's fat and like. <laughs> found the the association for fat people with the sub rule of no fat chick.
1: How right in the
0: How right
1: in the How right in the kisser.
0: He's running into James Woods.
1: Okay. So there I, are No. Uh, Go ahead.
0: Uh, the last thing I want to touch on uh, is, because we talked a little bit about this, but uh, I agree with you about, you know, the goose dad, uh, you know, the way he's react, he reacts, and he's written. Uh, I had a lot of fun with him. I don't know who, mu- how much of the writing this was, and how much this was just Brian Cranston being awesome. But when he has to kind of explain to Poe what happened, uh, it, it was one of those moments that I'm trying. The only other kind of comparable moment, and this is very weird, I know, but bear with me. Uh, there's a similar I get a similar vibe from a scene in the first Expendables movie when Mickey Rourke explains uh just just narrates a scene from his past to Sylvester Stallone. It's just such a great bit of acting and so tonally different from the rest of the movie that it almost feels like it doesn't belong. Hmm. Yet it some not not that it doesn't, but it just it feel it almost feels out of place, but everything around it is meshes with it so well that it just serves as this great enhancer to the entire experience and him talking about, Oh yeah, I had a great life. I had it all. And then having to kind of go through losing everything and where his head's been at, it's a really well done bit of both writing and acting. And I, uh, that's the only other thing I wanted to really point out because again, that it's pretty clear to me, that's the story they were focused on telling and it shows because it's told so very well. And all the other stuff is just kind of an afterthought.
1: Yeah, I would say for the most part, these are not throwaway performances with people who really you know dug into their parts and perform them well. But I just Like I said, Angelina Jolie, I don't know if it's just the way the character's written or her choice uh, as an actor, but I don't feel like she does anything with the role. She just sort of reads, she's just tigress, and she reads the lines and she's cool to watch and not very interesting beyond that.
0: Oh, most of the five are like that. I mean, Seth Rogen gets an occasional laugh out of jokes, but that's because he's mantis, and you know, look, it's an
1: insect. There's endless
0: fodder for comedy here.
1: So there were eighty-two critic reviews in total on Rotten Tomatoes, and sixteen rotten ones out of uh, out of eighty-two. So here's Catherine Puskar from the New York Daily News. <laughs> she is a top critic. Unfortunately. <laughs> I apologize. I have some coughing issues tonight. Uh, Unfortunately, looks aren't everything. The plot is plotting and predictable. All right. I would agree. Uh, But
0: at the same time, it's a kid's movie. There's only so much innovation to be done.
1: uh, Alan Sherstuhl from The Village Voice, another top critic. In studio movies, especially for children, all it takes to be great at something difficult is a good heart and a training montage. Go on, America. Keep yelling at Common Core while parking your kids in front of this stuff. Oh, God.
0: All right. Um, A, he's right. (laughs) B, this is the entirely wrong platform for you to try and launch your social commentary
1: through, sir. (laughs) Okay, Roger Moore of Movie Nation. Winded, out of ideas, and laughs.
0: I disagree with winded, but as far as out of ideas, eh, out is not necessarily accurate, but it's very – this is all very familiar territory.
1: Um, Peter Hartlob, top critic at the San Francisco Chronicle, says, Kung Fu Panda 3 has a moment or two for everyone, but no chance to develop any character beyond a single dimension. The next scene has often arrived before the viewer can process the last one.
0: And again, we've arrived at a fundamental disagreement because there's at least three characters that get some dimension to them. Poe continues to be fleshed out, his goose dad, and his panda dad both have arcs. I mean sure everyone else is all static, but those are the main those are the main characters relative to the story they're telling. So, yeah, they're going to get priority.
1: It is a good one. Uh, From the Boston Globe, the whole fighting bear jamboree is agreeable enough, but it takes some of the spotlight away from black being black. It doesn't jive with messages about having a sense of self of what makes you you. Yeah. Really? I disagree with that entirely. First of all, I...
0: I'm trying to see where he's coming from here is all.
1: Well, let's break this down. It it, it takes some of the spotlight away from Black being Black. Really? Because he's the focal point of the whole goddamn movie. And I don't really need 140 minutes of just Jack Black. We'd really rather not have that, all things considered. And doesn't sign with messages about having a sense of self or what makes you you? The whole point of the movie. I don't really know where he's coming from with that.
0: Yeah, that's. I don't think that's a valid criticism. The whole point is he's never been a panda amongst other pandas. That's what he's leaving to do.
1: Right. So here's my favorite one. Are you ready? This is from sure. the Toronto Sun. Good old Liz Braun, who I'm um, yeah. wasn't very good at who wasn't very good at math when she was in school. Way too talky and overcomplicated.
0: All right, that sound you might have just heard was my aneurysm rupturing.
1: <laughs> I'm not entirely sure what was overcomplicated about this plot. This is about as
0: simplistic as you can get.
1: <laughs> is... I can't even think of. Who I'm we sorry. Were. Have you
0: suffered brain damage? <laughs> I, I mean, if if you consider SpongeBob to be the appropriate amount of dialogue to goofiness, <laughs> then sure, this is overlong and talky, but for those of us with fully functioning brains.
1: <laughs> oh, uh, you should apply this rock done. <laughs> why? Why? <laughs> just just why. <laughs> all right. So who won the weekend? Well obviously Kung Fu Panda did. Um it won big. <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> With an estimated $41 million, Kung Fu Panda 3 crushed the previous January animated opening weekend record of $19.5 million, which was held by the Nut Job in 2014. Oh, I told Lily to go see the Nut Job. I can see why this beat it. It's also bordering on enough to become the second largest January opening of all time, just, si- just shy of Ride Along's $41.5 million, from 2014. Compared it's to the first. It's got a
0: worldwide two- box office of 127 million. Yep. Um, it's
1: all, uh, blah, 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 blah. Compared to the first two Panda films, the opening doesn't signify yet another drop off following the original film's 60.2 million and Kung Fu Panda 2's 47.6 million, but with an A cinema score and not another animated release until March 4th, Zootopia, it has a month and a half. It has a month all to itself to take in the animated family dollar.
0: Yeah, this thing's going to be fine. It's there's really not a whole lot of competition for what it's trying to do. Uh, let me see. I need to double check. Oh, I'll explain that actually. Uh I was just looking over the credits for this. I forgot that uh Hans Zimmer does the
1: music for these and that uh, does an excellent job. All oh, right. So Kung is awesome. So Kung Fu Panda came in at number one with uh, the weekend gross of 41 million. I think it had already been out in China, so, so it's already at like 100, like I said, 100 and some odd something million. The Revenant uh, came in at number two at 12 million. Star Wars earned another 11 million uh, to come in at number three, and The Finest Hour, which made its debut this weekend. The Walt Disney uh, period piece featuring the uh, Coast Guard and Chris Pine so far has made worldwide 13779646 and it came in at number four, I believe. Um, I don't have a production budget here, but... Um,
0: it's unconfirmed, somewhere in the 70 to $80 million range.
1: Well, that's not good. <laughs> I, I would no, say this that this
0: thing uh, this is a big disappointment.
1: It having a rough time with its non, you know with, with its non-intellectual property uh, features. I mean last year, you know, we we talked forever about Tomorrowland and that was you know the big summer release. Um they were, I'm yeah, sure they
0: were has a 59% uh, rating on Rotten Tomatoes. So it was uh,
1: I would say this was a bust.
0: Yeah, that's that's going to be a loss for Disney this year. But they've got Avengers movies coming out, so they don't care. Yeah, well, they've got Avengers. They've got Rogue
1: One. They'll they'll be fine. Disney Walt, Walt Disney's not going out of business. But um, yeah, they definitely definitely did not uh, start off on the right foot here with the Finest Hours. And rounding out the top five uh, was right along too. Which sure. currently holds at seventy uh eighty nine million dollars uh on a budget of forty, so it's doing- you know just fine Kevin Hart despite robert Winfrey's uh, <laughs> despite Robert Winfrey's opinion on the matter, does just fine in the movies people like him to go see his stuff,
0: yeah, you'll never go broke, appealing to the lowest common denominator um,
1: and fifty shades of black which I believe Ugh. also <laughs> came out this past weekend, number 10. Um again, no budget numbers, but it, fortunately
0: it, 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 it seems people have started cluing into the fact that the Wayans brothers movies generally suck.
1: Um this thing so far, the weekend gross was 5 million dollars, uh 5 million dollars 900,000 uh 528. And, uh, which is, it's, okay, it hasn't been released worldwide yet, so that was a total gross. Uh,
0: I, the budget appears to be round about $5 million. Okay,
1: well, at least it made its budget.
0: You gotta double your budget to actually be profitable.
1: Uh, well, so I they'll, they'll what... probably
0: make a bit of money, but hopefully the Wayans Brothers will stop making crappy parody movies. <laughs> The world doesn't need more of them,
1: okay, yeah, it's currently holding in a seven point two actually seven point two million box office with a budget of five million dollars, and I believe um, so if
0: nobody sees it for the rest of its theatrical run, it will lose money, and have temp- people I beg you, don't <laughs> go see this.
1: Well, it's already got a 10% on Rotten Tomatoes, so I don't think it's it's doing well. Well, movies like that never do well critically. All right, so next week in theaters, um, we've got The Choice uh, by Lionsgate, which is a drama romance. Um, nobody, nobody I know of any significance in this. Oh, okay. I know which one this is. This is the one they've been advertising on TV, where the people are flirting together and the girls in the hospital at some point. Right. Meh. Dad's Army, eh. which is a wartime comedy directed by Oliver Parker. There's a silly. lot of nothing. huh?
0: That movie's a lot of nothing. The All big right. release for this coming week is Hail
1: Caesar, which we aren't reviewing. <laughs> we're gonna instead we're gonna review. The horror comedy based on, <clears throat> based on the novel, put out by Screen Gems, Pride and Prejudice, and Zombies.
0: Even Zombies cannot make Jane Austen palatable.
1: <laughs> I think this has already got uh, reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, and they're not good.
0: Of course not. Look, I've mentioned this in the past. I'll mention this again right now about this movie. This is one of those movies that tries to be a bad excuse me, tries to be a good, bad movie. And believe it or not, that's not a quality you can necessarily plan for.
1: Well It's, it's, it's projected to gross ten to twelve million. By accident. It's they're, they're looking for a ten to twelve million dollar gross this weekend. I'm going to see it Friday night after work. Um it's got it's got a forty eight percent on rotten tomatoes, so this ought to be fun.
0: That will go uh, down.
1: <laughs> and the budget's $28 million, so let's we'll see how it does overall over the There's course of the There's a reason course. they stuck it in the dumping ground that is February. <laughs> the week before Deadpool, which apparently has test audiences howling in the aisles.
0: Of course,
1: because people don't...
0: Look, the first time you see the character of Deadpool, you think he's hilarious. You think he's hot buttered popcorn and you can't get enough. The second time you realize, no, this is crap. (laughs) You're a one-note hackneyed character that was designed to appeal to insiders and smarks in the comic book world. And... I find Deadpool to be a fundamentally underdeveloped character. He does—he is a one-note gag. How many ways, and in how many, how many times, and in how many ways can I break the fourth wall?
1: That's Deadpool it. Find out.
0: If you right. do not like Ryan Reynolds playing another snarky asshole, this movie has nothing for you. Absolutely nothing.
1: I can't wait to review this, and I spend the entire hour just telling people how wonderful this movie is.
0: I'm sure you'll enjoy it, Mark. <laughs> um,
1: all right. So, let's uh let's get it done here cuz I think we have said all that there is to say. You know, if you've got kids and you enjoyed the first two movies, uh go see Kung Fu Panda, it was it was fun for the whole fun for the whole uh family.
0: It's it's the weakest of the three movies, I think. Uh no. I have I'd have to I'd have to seriously, you know, compare it to two. And I don't care to uh, But it's still fine It's still it's flashy and pretty enough To be entertaining for kids There's enough bits of actual Character development and story To keep the parents from wanting to smash Their heads into the floor <laughs> And it, Well again You know what you're getting with these uh, And it Performs admirably with its relatively low expectations so go ahead and see it i i i guess i imagine the next two weeks i will not be saying go ahead and see it
1: <laughs> okay
0: because we got to review pride and prejudice and zombies and i have no hope absolutely none I mean, look, I didn't even care that much for Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, and that's th- this is the same type of thing.
1: It's the yeah, same seen visual
0: seen. aesthetic, it's the same tone, it's the same everything.
1: Still haven't seen it.
0: Yeah, you're not missing much. And
1: right, then the fun. week
0: after that is Deadpool, which I expect to... Ugh. I'm going to see that on Valentine's
1: Day. We got a whole thing set up for this. We have to get the, get the... Babysitter are all taken care of already. And uh, so my wife and I, we're going to catch a matinee, Deadpool. That's, that's what we're doing for Valentine's Day. Then we're going to go to Jimmy Hula's. Jimmy Hula's for Fancy Tacos. And then I'm taking my wife to the Dolly Museum in St. Petersburg. Because I'm a good husband. And once again, to anyone stalking
0: Mark Radlitz, he provides you his <laughs> itinerary and just says, come get me. <laughs>
1: I'm like Iron Man. I'm not afraid of you. Bring it on.
0: Yeah, because that ended so well for, you know, the people around him.
1: Well, eventually he got
0: the bad guys and nobody died. Yeah, another problem I have with those movies.
1: Yeah, move, on, move
0: stakes. <laughs> uh, all right, so again, next week, Mark and I will be back reviewing Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. I'm going. Uh, it's going to be something, though. It'll be something. Maybe not very good, but it will be uh, something. Then after that is Deadpool, and we're only reviewing Deadpool because the only other option is Zoolander two. And I would rather douse my face in acid and then go into lime juice than watch <laughs> Ben Stiller as Zoolander. And
1: eh, because Deadpool's one, Deadpool's going to win the weekend. Two, Deadpool. I'm will... not sure about that. There's a lot of idiots who love Zoolander. I, no, dead. I, I will make you a shiny dollar bet. Silver dollar bet that um, one Deadpool runs the weekend. Two Deadpool is phenomenal.
0: You would lose one of those. It's not going to be a good movie. Says you. Yes, the one with the fully functioning brain. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> um, so yeah, two. That's the Deadpool review could easily be one where Mark and I wind up yelling at each other. And those are always those always make for
1: good reviews. So, in the spirit of Robin Winbury yelling at me, the 10 best names for ducks number 10, a third Kevin. Number nine, Duck Ellington. Number eight, T Bone. Number seven, Fat Kevin. Number six, Sir Waddlesworth. Number five, Webb Begley Jr. Number four, Kevin. Number three, Feather Flocklier. Number two, Duck Chaney. And the number one, Best name for a duck is Admiral Quackbar. Uh, Uh,
0: The fact that somebody bothered to sit down and put that together.
1: Can I do my plugs now?
0: Uh, What are we Uh, real quick? What are we doing uh, the week after Zoolander, the nineteenth? Give the weekend of the nineteenth. Do we have anything Uh, we're doing that time around, or are we uh, skipping until?
1: I got you. Uh, Hang on now, Googley. Well, what comes
0: out after that is race. Risen and The Witch, and I'm not sure we... we're were
1: Here's the deal. We're doing Pride... Fuck. We're doing Pride, Prejudice, and Zombie on the 10th. We're reviewing Deadpool Deadpool on the 17th. We're skipping the 24th. We're skipping the 2nd. And we're reviewing Zootopia on the 9th. We're skipping the 16th. We're reviewing Daredevil Season 2, the whole thing, on the 23rd. And on the 24th, we're doing In Defense of Man of Steel... And then on the 25th, I'm going to go see Batman versus Superman, and Gavin's going to give you his case against Man of Steel. When we come I will back. i this
0: Gavin's going to be wishing it only got as bad as Man of Steel when uh, he sees Dawn of Justice. I, I, don't, I don't think I'm, he's going to go see it. Uh, probably not. Look, I tried. To, I actually like Man of Steel, uh, and I'm going to. You know, Mark and I will be talking about that in in depth the day before Dawn of Justice comes out. I have very little hope
1: for Dawn of Justice.
0: I have Um, very little
1: hope. We'll we'll be reviewing that on the 30th. And then we're skipping two weeks. We'll be reviewing the Jungle Book on the 20th of April. And then the Huntsman Winter's War on the 27th. Uh, We're skipping the 4th. uh, And then on May 11th, Captain America, skipping the 18th. Then we're doing the Angry Birds movie on the 25th. June 1st, the day before my birthday, Apocalypse, uh, X-Men, and June 8th, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I'll be reviewing that with Jesse Starcher and uh, Teasley, I believe. Yes. Anyone uh, not me. <laughs> on the 15th, we're reviewing. We'll, we'll be reviewing Warcraft. On the 22nd, oh, that, Finding Dory. Suck. On the, 20th, on the 29th, Independence Day. See, June is where things really get cooking. Yeah,
0: up until June, there's a lot of nothing.
1: So, that's as much as I filled in the calendar at this point.
0: Yeah, we'll work out the rest of it later. I was just curious about the rest of this month. Uh, there's no. a, I'm trying to see if there's anything else. that I mean, I know there's nothing you're interested in. I'm trying to see if there's anything that I might be interested in. Yeah, probably not. I sent you the end calendar.
1: You should have you figured it
0: out. You did. You <laughs> did. I just God. didn't save it.
1: No, my point is, you should have figured out if there was anything that you wanted to review. Okay, here's your choices for the week. No, of no, night, we're,
0: I'm looking at them right now. We're probably good. If something really strikes my interest between now, we have weeks off. I'll figure it out. as I go along, if something else strikes my interest, saw of in Egypt looks terrible. Yes, no, it does. I think it was actually Eddie the Eagle. I saw a preview for and went, huh? I mean, that's probably going to suck, but it might be the right kind of suck,
1: you know? Maybe if London Has Fallen came out a week earlier, I was I'd be up for that. But no, yeah. no, no, no thanks.
0: But nah, if it's that or Zootopia, it's, it's Zootopia. I mean, that's not a, it's not much of a stretch. All right. But with that, yeah, we're done. I think that's going to wrap us up. Uh, again, if you have kids, you want to go see Kung Fu Panda Three, go see it. Or anyone with the intellect of a child. <laughs> I, I say that not as an insult, but I when I went to see this on Tuesday evening, I believe there were a couple of uh, you know, grown men who had some kind of developmental issues who were very thoroughly entertained by Poe gassing out, trying to go up and down stairs. Which is a funny gag, by the way, but just saying, if you have... It, Anyone, any children, or someone with the intellect thereof will probably be thoroughly entertained by this. And if you're the one taking them, you won't want to gouge your eyes out. So, big thumbs up as far as that goes.
1: Uh, right now in the archives, we have our latest uh, Metal Hammer of Doom. We've got a review of Megadeth by dy- um, dy- Dystopia by Megadeth. Uh, it was myself, Jesse Starcher, and Robert Cooper uh week before that now real quick this week long road to ruin we will be talking about the hobbit but we are also going to pick up where we left off with uh, the return of a king just because we had a blog talk radio issue which is essentially we can't go much past two hours anymore uh without it cutting us off and that's what happened there is i've not budget for time is that just standard
0: a- operating procedure now or have you not heard back from them
1: I haven't heard anything, but I'm going to assume. Sure. Why should they
0: devote customer service to people who actually pay for this?
1: Yeah, Um, I'm just assuming that. that Any other,
0: uh, any other services that you know would any other websites that would provide the same service that want to talk? uh, Call Mark. He's we we wouldn't be averse to finding you know another service. Just throwing it out there.
1: So, um, that, that being said, we uh, we got cut off on uh, mid-discussion of Return of the King, so we'll, we'll spend a few minutes wrapping up that discussion, myself, Sean Comer, and Andrew Graham, and then we'll jump into The Hobbit, all three movies. So we have a two-hour discussion, no more, no less. And then um, after that, what do we got going on? We got, uh, okay, on February 11th, Uh, we'll be celebrating Black History Month here, another dose of Long Road to Ruin, with the original three Shaft movies.
0: I can't believe there were
1: three. (laughs) On the 18th, uh, Metal Hammer of Doom will be reviewing Avantasia's Ghost Lights. And then Black History Month continues on February 25th with Beverly Hills Cop Trilogy. So (laughs) (laughs) There's a series that peaked real early. (laughs) So that's what we'll be looking at in the month of February. And that's all I got. Um, yeah, Shaft movies.
0: You have to open that show with the bit from The Simpsons where Bart and Lisa sing the Shaft theme. <laughs>
1: I'll see what I can do.
0: Because there, there's an episode, the same episode where, uh, I forget its title, but Homer eats uh, Fugu and he believes he's eaten the poisoned fish and uh, spends the last day of it, what is supposed to be the last day of his life. It's a solid enough episode. But they're at a karaoke sushi bar, and Bart and Lisa sing the Shafts theme song on karaoke. <laughs>
1: He's a bad mother, touch your mouth.
0: Yeah, so I- I'm insisting that when you open that after your usual theme, that's the sound bite we get.
1: <laughs> will see what I can do once again.
0: All right. As for me, I'm normally found in the MMA zone of 411mania.com. I'm actually thinking about writing something tomorrow. it be the first time in a long time I've written something that wasn't live coverage. But watching Ryan Bader get violently knocked out by Anthony Johnson just filled me with such simultaneous glee at watching Bader fall because I don't care much for Bader as a fighter. Never met him personally, I have no... I can't say anything good or bad about him as a person. As a fighter, he tends to bore me to tears. But that's also just reminded me how crappy the 205-pound division is right now. So I kind of want to write about that. Uh, this Saturday, I have live coverage of UFC Fight Night 82. Johnny Hendricks will be taking on Stephen Thompson in the main event. It's a really solid free TV card, guys. There's a couple of great flyweight fights, and for some reason, there's a heavyweight fight between Roy Nelson and Jared Rochalt. Woo! Even, Even, Mark, don't. Even you can't defend that.
1: Who is it again? I wasn't listening.
0: Roy Nelson and Jared Rochalt.
1: <laughs> Roy, no. Jared Rochalt's going to get his head knocked off.
0: No. See, Roy Nelson's wrestling defense is kind of weak. Uh, he's going to get taken down and laid on for three rounds, and I'm going to want to kill myself all over again.
1: He's <laughs> something a lot this episode. You're starting to worry me.
0: Those two have worse cardiovascular training than Poe does.
1: <laughs> hey! Better bring him back Panda all around.
0: asthma. <laughs> yeah, Panda asthma too, huh? Is that running the family? Oh, <laughs> stairs. Alright, uh, every Sunday at 8pm Eastern Standard Time, I host the 411 Ground and Pound Radio Show. Uh, last week, we looked back at UFC on Fox 18. Uh, again, Anthony Johnson knocks out Ryan Bader and there was much rejoicing. Uh, ben Rothwell submitted Josh Barnett. Most surreal thing I've ever seen in MMA, apart from Fedor tapping. Just, really? <laughs> Rothwell is gonna tap Barnett anyway. Uh this week we'll be reviewing UFC Fight Night eighty two, and that's it actually. There's not a preview, we'll be like the week after to preview something. We'll probably talk about Benson Henderson moving to Bellator because it saddens me. And really does. I miss watching Ben Henderson and I don't watch Bellator on principle. But he'll probably be live cage side to cut a promo during that awful, awful card that's coming from Texas in a couple of weeks that Mark's going to cover for me because my sanity can only take so much. And a double main event of Ken Shamrock versus Hoist Gracie and Kimbo Slice versus whatever 200. I can't do it. I just can't
1: (laughs) do it. Dada 3000, I think his name is.
0: Whatever. I really don't care. Nobody cares. (sighs) But Mark has graciously allowed, decided to save my sanity for that night, and he'll be covering that. So I thank you in in advance, and I will thank you after the fact as well. No problem. And I'm going to laugh when uh, at least one of those fights, if not both, falls out between now and then due to injury. Or they all fight injured, and they just actually need crutches to get to the cage. I'm okay with either of those. All right. But that's it. That's going to wrap us up here. Thanks for listening. Kung Fu Panda 3. Really solid, family fun movie. As an adult, you won't be... You won't hate it, and the kids seem to have been enjoying it so far. So, success financially, success creatively. Good on everybody there. And again, they're planning three sequels. I was not joking. There are going to be three more of these. Not sure what they're going to do, but... They're making money, so good on them. All right. For Mark Radlich, I'm Robert Winfrey reminding everybody out there once again to continue to be well, be safe, and behave. And as always, when we leave you, when we leave you on our movie reviews, we leave you with the soundtrack to every Hollywood executive's life.